Tracy, thank you. Taylor, what a blessing to be in the presence of the Lord and take communion with you. I, uh, I took communion before I preached so that after I preach, you, if you need to take care of business with God, you can come. This altar is always open. Should the Holy Spirit speak to you in the middle of my preaching, before I preach, after I preach, you move. I mean, the most important thing in this service is that God speaks to your heart. And more importantly is that you respond. Because God, I believe, speaks. I'm not certain we always listen and respond. Today, we're in Acts chapter 10. I want to tell you a warning. I have 50 slides. Count them, 50. Penty, Pentecost, 50. <laughs> but the good news is I have 48 verses. So the way I did it was I took the 48 verses and I, I broke it up because it's a narrative. It's a narrative. Today, the gospel is going to the Gentiles. How I many know this is a big day, Jake? The gospel is going to somebody besides the Jewish community. It has only been limited to Jerusalem. It's limited to the people of God, God's chosen people. But Jesus told them just before going up, remember we summed up the book of Acts? Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and the church went out. Well, we've been nine chapters in. Paul gets saved, Saul of Tarshish. At the end, he heads to Tarshish. Uh, and, and so we have now Acts chapter 10. But, uh, but they just kind of been uh, non-inclusive. Not sure what they thought. I'm not sure, Jacob, they thought that maybe the gospel would go to, to Judea, Samaria, and, uh, and maybe we'll go find all the Jewish people, all the Jews that are outside Jerusalem, and we will tell them about Jesus. So they were still kind of um, non-inclusive. Now, when I say that, I don't want you to just immediately go to this idea of inclusivity that's in our culture today. How many know that is a mixed-up idea? That everybody that wants to can go to heaven any way they can. How many know there's only one name under heaven whereby a person can be saved? That is the name of Jesus. I told you that last week with coexist. So uh, that's why we have missionaries in Thailand to reach the Buddhists and the Muslims, right? That's why we have missionaries around the world, because there's only one name under heaven whereby a person can be saved. So this, till the ends of the earth, means everyone. If you believe that, shout amen. Acts chapter uh, 10, verses 1 through 48. Lesson number 11, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. God says no person is going to be left, to, left behind. I mean, no, President Bush didn't make that up. No child left behind. No person left behind. That's why Paul says it's not neither Jew nor Greek, right? Barbarian, poor, rich, educated, uneducated, nobody, anyone. And Peter, remember he said, chapter 3, it says that God is not willing that any should perish. That means all come to repentance. That is the gospel. How I many know that is the truth of the word of God? That was Jesus' intention when he went up. Go tell everybody you see that I've come to bring life. But it started with the, the Jerusalem church, and now time to shake things up. Three people get saved here. The Cornelius and the Gentiles. This is the first time the gospel goes to Gentiles. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. And we're going to get into his story. But it's a narrative, so I broke it up into four scenes. And I hope you enjoy the drama. 
I mean, no, Jesus is the star of the show. He's the one who is manipulating and orchestrating. And as I read and as I study chapter 10, uh, it goes from this scene to this scene. And I just want to give it to you. I know it's a lot. If, if we have to stop early, I'll stop. I hate for you to get weary in the word. In fact, my biggest fear as a preacher is to be boring. So if you don't shout amen, I'm going to pray and go home. Okay, thank you. I appreciate the courtesy shout. But the three people get saved here. First, Cornelius and the Gentiles. That's God's plan. Secondly, Peter's saved, but he has some prejudice to deal with. And I know what you're thinking. Pastor Rob, we're Pentecostals and Christians. None of us have a speck of prejudice in our body. Think again. The Lord surprised Peter, and he surprised Cornelius. He had a little prejudice, too. Toward the, okay, okay. And then the church, the whole Jerusalem church, they didn't know what to do with what Peter just did in bringing the gospel that belonged to the Jews to these stinking, dirty heathen. So we're going to wipe it all out. How many, what do you say we get into it? Get on with the program, Pastor. First scene is an angelic visit to Cornelius. He is a God fearing Gentile, he's a Roman centurion. So, I want to look at the verses. This is what happened. An angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord appears in shining clothes to him. Just so you can get it, there's a little Roman guard. He's a God-fearing man. So at Caesarea, he's in Caesarea because Rome had a whole band of soldiers that were stationed in Caesarea, and uh, and that's where he is. And he is the leader, uh, Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment, the Italian band. The Italian band consists of a hundred men, right? And they were uh, from Italy. So there you go. It's not a rock band from Italy. It's a, it's a military. Okay, the Italian band. Never mind. You're not going to get it anyway. Verse two. He and all of his family were devout. Guess just because some folks think he was saved. I know a lot of people doing religious activity that are devout, but they don't know Jesus, and they fear God but they've never had forgiveness of sin. Are y'all hearing me? Just for the record, this is a God-fearing man. It's kind of throwing me for a loop and you for a loop because we see God-fearing. And he gave generously. I mean, you got to go to heaven if you give, right? He gave to those in need and he prayed and he prayed to God, Yahweh, regularly. So he was a friend to the Jewish people there in Caesarea in Jerusalem. Well, one day at about three in the afternoon, when a good Jew would pray, so Cornelius was not a proselyte. He wasn't converted to Judaism, but he had a heart for these Jewish people and their faith, Jewish, Jewish faith. So he was praying. Uh, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. I don't know how many of you had a visit with an angel, but one of the only times I see uh, very few visits uh, by angels, and there's one of them. Cornelius stared at him just like you would in fear. What is it, Lord? Remember last chapter 9 when Jesus himself met Paul, Saul, on the road to Damascus? He said the same thing. What is it, Lord, with a capital L? Remember angelic visits back in the Old Testament, it, sometimes it, it, they were fearful, God's people were, because they thought it was going to be an announcement of a curse or some kind of a thing going to come on you. God's going to speak to you, and it may not be good. We always think about the worst, don't we? So he said, what is it, Lord? And he asked, and the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. I just got to stop and tell you, 
Every time you pray, God hears your prayers. Doesn't matter whether you got it all figured out yet. Doesn't matter. How many know God is dealing with Cornelius? So in this first scene, it may not be, it appears that, that Cornelius is pursuing God. But what I see is that God is pursuing Cornelius. And God is about to open up the door to all the Gentile nations of the world. So he sees that. So he gives him an assignment. Send men to Joppa. Who's in Joppa? Remember that. Peter was over in Joppa at Simon the Tanner's house at the end of chapter 9. To bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea on the Mediterranean. Okay? 12-hour walk. 12-hour walk. Long way to go, 30 miles. And, uh, and so this is the assignment. And uh, aren't, you, aren't you glad that God knows how to speak? He's speaking to uh, a God-fearing man who's not a Jew. He's a Roman a centurion. And he's telling him what to do. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius, what did he do? Contemplated it, prayed about it, said, yes, Lord, send Brother Jim. Immediately he gone, called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. He was a Roman officer, told you that. He respected the Jewish people in Caesarea. He was a praying man. He was devout, God-fearing, generous, and one of the few in the Bible who spoke, who spoke to an angel face-to-face. And the angel basically in scene one was telling him what to do. Hey, here's what's happening. Uh, I need you to go see Simon. And first of all, when we get into scene two, Simon is with, uh, Simon Peter is with Simon the Tanner. So Simon Peter is a Jew, a disciple, an apostle, right? And he is with Simon the Tanner who, who, he kills dead things all the time and takes to hide. How, how, how defiling it is to stay. I mean, oh, God is not only working with Cornelius, but as we get to scene number two, Peter has a strange vision too. God is working with Peter. So if you, if you have some problems and everybody does, turn to your neighbor and say, you have issues. Just tell them you have issues. We all have issues. Listen, aren't you glad God's still working on all of us? We all have something. We all have a little uh, black spot or two. Uh, we're none of us perfect. But God is so gracious and slowly and methodically he's working not only over here in scene one, but now we go to scene two, uh, scene two and uh, about noon the following day as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Very customary, right? He became hungry and wanted something to eat. He's assembly of God. It's assembly of God. He's Pentecostal. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance on the rooftop. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, don't know what voice, a voice, get up, Peter, kill and eat. This is kind of, uh, you know, Peter laying on the rooftop. Here's the four corners of a sheet dropped down with all kinds of animals down there. And, uh, and Peter's a Jew. So according to the law of Moses, there's dietary laws that Jews could not eat certain animals. Are y'all with me? And so, uh, so he's, he's not, he's not going to be, he's not going to be going with the, going with the program. Okay. Whoever this voice is, he said, surely not Lord. 
Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean, which was, which was kosher, which was responsible, which is what he was supposed to do. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Let me ask you, how many times in your life has God had to speak more than once to you? Yeah, of course, of course. And how about three times? So this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. So so, so this is an angelic vision or a visit uh, where now God is orchestrating something in Peter's life uh, 12 hours away, and he's speaking over here to Cornelius over here. And how many believe the Holy Spirit is orchestrating something all the time? So, so I got on the phone Friday with April's mom, and April was just a child, but now April's nine years old. And if I wouldn't have been in the home nine years ago, I might not have been on the phone two days ago. I mean, no, God is always working things out. You just got to watch and watch the drama unfold as God begins to work it out. The sixth hour of the day was noon, so just like anybody else, Peter was hungry. He was praying on the roof like Daniel did or David did. Remember what happened to David? Watch it, watch it. When you're on the roof, watch it. And he fell into a dream or a trance and saw a vision of all kinds of animals, clean and unclean. He heard a voice, unknown who it was, and it happened three times. The third scene, Peter gets a visit from an unknown man. So Cornelius immediately obeyed. How many things? That's pretty awesome. Here's a man. God sends an angel, speaks to Cornelius. As soon as he visits and the man's gone, he tells these guys, go over to, to meet some guy named Peter over in Joppa. He's staying at some guys. Uh, how many know uh, they could probably smell Simon Peter's house from 12 hours away? All the dead animals. So God was working just to get Peter in Simon Tanner's, the Tanner's house. A Jew don't go to somebody's house like that, right? So he's already beginning to slowly say, hey, hey, I want you to stay there. I know, I know he's, he's killing and defiling. And just do what I say. Remember Jesus? He washed his hands didn't wash his hands and the Pharisees and began to criticize him for not washing his hands. And he said, hey, it's not what goes into the body, it's what comes out that defiles you. Remember that? So, so Jesus is teaching. Now he's showing, now the Lord is showing Peter a few things. And while he was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They could smell it. They called and said, hey, if Simon, uh, who, who was known as Peter, is he staying here? While Peter was still thinking about the vision, he's contemplating. He's not sure because Jews do not eat unclean animals. And so he's contemplating the vision. The Spirit said to him, now listen, the Spirit in the book of Acts is about to speak. Now you read a lot of the scriptures. I don't know how many times I've ever seen where the Spirit spoke specifically. But here it is. The Spirit said, Simon, Simon, three men are outside looking for you. They're going to hang you by your toes because you're over here with Simon the Tanner. That's not what happened, but that's probably what he's thinking, right? And so there's all kinds of things that happen in your mind. I mean, no, we always think of the worst. We have a tendency to be bent toward bad things. But he, he just got up, goes downstairs. And he says to these guys, uh, the spirits, do, do not hesitate. Uh, get up, go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down, said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come for me? 
Now, this is a, a serious scene because, because Simon, uh, Simon is just following instructions from the, the Holy Spirit speaking specifically. Let me just stop right here and ask you, how many of you ever had the voice of the Holy Spirit speak specifically to you? Let me see your hand. Of course. And sometimes it's a still, small voice. Sometimes it's, it can vibrate in your spirit. Some people actually have heard audible voice of the Holy Spirit or God. I haven't heard an audible voice, but I have felt the Lord leading me. Just because I just knew that I knew that I knew. Anybody knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to you? So the men replied, we've come for Cornelius the centurion. Now scene one and scene two are coming together. And he is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. And he respected the Jewish people as well. And he said, a holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so he could hear what you have to say. How many thinks that's pretty awesome? God, the Holy Spirit, is speaking to Cornelius to tell another man 12 hours away, a day's journey, 30 miles, to come back and tell us what the Lord has to say. Now, that's a big-time setup. And Jake and Joanna are here. They're missionaries, our missionaries, our friends, our family, to Thailand. And they have seen these kinds of orchestrated events happen, haven't you? I mean, God, uh, God opening up door and, and, and making this happen. And then, and now if you could hear the story, if you heard a little bit of the story of Annie, who now moved to the South Thailand and now she's down there, she hope, she opens up a nail shop five seconds from the church. You know, that's good. The pastor that they're working with. I mean, no, only God can orchestrate these kinds of things. And that's what's happening here. God's about to open the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Gentiles, stinky Gentiles, are coming into stinky Simon the Tanner's house with righteous people. I want to get the scene out because that's what's going on, and there's some prejudice going on, but God is chipping away at the prejudice. He only knows what he knows. And I just got to know, I got to tell you today, somebody's here needs to hear this. God knows your upbringing. He knows your surrounding. He knows what you've been taught. And he, by the Holy Spirit, is going to chisel away every day, gently, methodically, at some of your hang-ups. And he's, he's got a goal that you hear the truth of the gospel. Amen? So Peter invited them all in. So he contemplates the vision. Uh, men arrive at Simon Tanner's asking for Peter just as he was getting this vision. And the Holy Spirit speaks uh, to Peter audibly and verbally. So this is the job. I don't know if you can see it from Caesarea all the way down to Joppa. It says Jaffa. It must be Hebrew, whatever. I'm not sure. But that's the, the 12, 12 hours, 53 minutes, 13 hours, 12 minutes as they go down on the, on the coast of the Mediterranean. Are you seeing it? That's the journey. Scene four. Peter goes to Cornelius' house immediately. The next morning, they set off from Joppa back to Caesarea. Let's go. Can I just tell, stop right here just to say, because <laughs> we're, just, we're just teaching the narrative. We're just going through the narrative. I told you it'd go fast. It's only 11 o'clock. We're in scene four, the last scene. Peter goes to Caesarea, and, uh, and he knows that the Holy Spirit has spoken to him. Can, can I just tell you right now? If the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you know it, you ought to hold on to that truth. Hold on to whatever God said to you, because if God said it, how many know there's something big involved in it? 
something big. You may not understand it all. You may not know who Cornelius is. You may not have all the details. But if God told you to go to Cornelius's house, just get up and get on going. Amen. So the next Peter, uh, next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. About six others that was with him, with Peter, went on to to uh, Caesarea. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. That's how you know it's a day's journey. Following that. Well, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Cornelius said, whatever God's got to say, I want him to say it to all of my heathen family. How many of you got family that needs Jesus? How many of you who have family who needs Jesus, but they don't know it? Of course, most of them. So there he is. Peter's at Cornelius' house, 224 Main Street, Caesarea. There it is. And there's the Roman centurion. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, kiss his ring, and say, worship me all the days of my life. No, 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 let's keep reading. Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself, just like you. How many know this day of celebrityism and pastors and leaders who think they are God? How many know that day is going to come to an end quickly? quickly it needs to and the reason they are so high on a pedestal is because god's people are willing and gullible enough to praise them and put them up there how many know the only one deserves praise in this house is jesus come on give him praise then he's the only one nobody bows to a man get on up cornelius i'm not here for this i didn't come this far for you to bow down to me so while talking with him peter went inside and found a large gathering of people and he said to them Here we go, the narrative. You're well aware that this is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God, somebody shout, but God. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. In other words, this is my tradition. This is what I've been taught. I can even give you a biblical mandate as to why I'm not supposed to be with other people. God said, do not associate with people from other nationalities and countries. This is Israel, pure, God's people, holy. Don't mess with them. So you can understand that they had an upbringing and an environment that was conducive, but God is about to shake things up. Because of Jesus Christ, I mean, oh, now the whole world is going to hear the gospel. And God didn't use Paul. He's using the apostle Peter. Maybe because the apostle Peter had some of his impulsive ways. They didn't have ADD diagnosis back then, but how many know Peter was probably ADHD? In fact, I think he was probably ADHD, D, 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 D. But God can use anyone who's willing enough to respond immediately to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Even though you don't understand, he said, I have heard from God and he showed me even though this is uncomfortable, let me tell you, when God's about to do something big in your life, he will get you out of your comfort zone. Uncomfortable, feel uneasy, this don't feel right, what am I doing here? What is God doing with me? I don't even understand none of this process. But I do know this, God spoke and showed me, and I'm supposed to be here. Anybody say amen to that? So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. But i got to ask you a question. <laughs> May I ask you why you sent for me? 
You know, I love that. And Cornelius said, of course, I'll tell you the whole narrative again, 48 verses. This is why I didn't want to read to you every verse and bore you to death. So I broke it up in scenes like CSI because I know you like it. So Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. There he is again. Hey, guy. And said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. Just to repeat. Somebody shout repeat. But if it repeated, he wanted you to hear it again. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Thanks for coming. We are here, all here in the presence of God. So listen, if this is not church in a nutshell, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. What if you came to church with that mindset? What if you walked through the doors this morning and said, you know what, Pastor Ron, all of us are gathered here. We trust you as our pastor. We know you studied. We know you prayed. We know you're in a series, a series, and maybe God's going to give you some revelation to the word of God, and we're all here to hear what the Lord has had for you to tell us. How many came with that expectation today? Well, we're just reading the Bible to you. So Cornelius gives credit to the angel who told him where to find Peter and what to do to hear from him. He didn't say, I had a revelation. He said, a, an angel appeared to me. We're always trying to puff ourselves up, but he told him, just like it happened, it's called divine providence. And divine providence is when God is acting in one place while also acting in the other for confirmation of the revelation. I don't know about you, but as I try to ascertain what God is saying to me or the will of God in my life, I love, love, love confirmation. I love confirmation because God can speak to me, but if he could also speak to someone else to confirm to me what he said to them, because normally... What I, what he's spoken to me normally has something to do with somebody else. I mean, very, very many times it'll be a personal revelation for me, for my spiritual growth or something I need to take care of in my own spirit. But a lot of times when it comes to missiology or missional purposes, evangelical purposes, he's going to speak something to you and confirm it through somebody else. And that's what's going on right here. Isn't it a great story? I'm going to tell all of my friends and family the story. Amen. I hope you do too. So here it is, Peter's message. This is it, the last part of it. And their salvation, the people began to speak. I now realize, then Peter began to speak. I now realize, this is a powerful message. I realize now how true it is that God does not show favoritism. How many believe that's true? And I know Oak Grove is sincere and Oak Grove is genuine, and I'm glad. It's one of the things about you I love. Anybody can come into this house and you will love them equally. Aren't you glad we're like that? Don't you hope we're like that? Okay. So God doesn't show favoritism. Uh, but we sometimes, uh, been guilty myself of stereotyping people. I've been guilty. You don't have to admit to it yourself. You can go home and make an altar by yourself. And nobody will know. But the truth is there's a little bit of prejudice in every bit of us. But God accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. That verse right there, verse 35, is the turnaround verse for this whole narrative. It's powerful. Hey, hey, he realized, first of all, that God doesn't show favoritism. That God loves everyone, and Jesus died on the cross 
for whosoever will let him come. Amen? The first thing, then he sees that God is going to accept people from every nation, every people group, every people group, every age group, every person, every language, every ethos, every ethnic group. Are y'all hearing me? This is what God's going to do. But sometimes we in America think that America is the only country on the planet. But we're not. And we be in church with the people we look like. We go to work with the people we look like and like. We engage with, we eat with, we do everything with people we look like, act like, think like it ought to be. And when we run into somebody that may have something different, we begin to put up our religious differences and say, you know, if you were like me, you'd be better off. Oh, really? Would they? So here's the deal. Rough and tough, but I'm going to let you off easy. <laughs> you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace. This is the message. It's good news. How I many know what we have to share with everybody is good news? Amen? It's good news of peace through Jesus, who is Lord of all. I love that. And you know what has happened throughout the providence of Judah. I mean, he's Judea. He's trying to say, uh, you're a God-fearing people. You're in Caesarea. You're close enough to Jerusalem. Hey, you're part of the Roman army. You know what's happening around here. You've probably seen the whole narrative play out. Beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. He brings in John's baptism before Jesus' ministry even starts. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good, healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him, Emmanuel. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed Jesus by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen by as many as 500 people at Galilee. Can I tell you, he's telling them the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. Some of the stuff that's coming from the pulpit of some of our churches is not the gospel. I mean, no, this is the gospel. I said, Jesus died, was buried, rose again. He heals, he saves, he delivers, he forgives of sin, and he's coming back to get his church. That's the gospel. That's what we ought to be telling. It's good news. He was, he was not seen by all the people, not everybody, but as many as 500. But he was seen by the witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So Peter's just retelling what happened a few months earlier. He's retelling it. And that's why, friends, we did communion. So we don't forget the gospel. I mean, no, we can't forget the cross. We can't forget the story. We can't forget the resurrection. It's not for us to have Christmas and Easter and just remember on those two days. We take communion so we can remember Jesus every single day. It helps us to, to have a portrait that he spoke to us. He ate and drank with us. He rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. That's not the Jesus who came before a cross. That's the Jesus who's coming after the cross. Are you seeing that? He's coming to judge the living and the dead. All the prophets testify, uh, testify about him. Everyone who believes in him this is, that's why I underlined it. That's why I bolded it, because this is how I know that Cornelius got saved. He was a God-fearer, a generous man. He loved the Jews. 
the Roman. He prayed to Yahweh. But here's how you get saved. To everyone who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sin through his name. The way to be born again is to forgive forgiveness of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your life. Can somebody say amen to that? And that's the gospel truth. We're, we're selling a bill of goods to a whole culture that says you come in and you just say a little prayer, go out, and you don't have to get forgiveness of your sin. You can live in your sin. You can hang out in your sin. I mean, no, that's a lie. You've got to get forgiveness of sins. Hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. We're going to your house. You're going to get saved today. That's how it is. The old tax collector, heathen. He didn't say that, but that's what he meant. While Peter was still speaking, look at this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. What? I mean, Chrissy and Taylor didn't even get back to the platform. How can this happen? The circumcised believers who had, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. What? What? At what? That the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles. For they heard them, heard them what? Speaking in tongues and praising God. I'm glad the book of Acts didn't leave out speaking in tongues. Sims of God believe in an initial physical evidence of the baptism of speaking in tongues. Chapter 10 is one of the proof texts. Heard them speaking in tongues. How? Just like the ones that spoke in tongues in the oh, in, in Acts chapter 2. And Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of these people being baptized with water. I just feel like having a good old-fashioned baptism service right now. Bear, get on in, fill up the baptistry. I'm teasing, we'll do it next week. Surely no one can stand in the way of these people being baptized. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then he asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So this is the text. You heard it all, all, all five scenes. God is no respecter of persons. And Christ's baptism is mentioned, John's too, right? John the Baptist, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that he saw him after he arose. Most importantly, the promise of salvation is to all who believe and receive forgiveness of sins. While he was preaching, the Spirit fell on them, and they received the spoken tongues and were baptized. The end. Somebody ought to give God praise. I mean, that's the end. That's, it's over, over. Pastor, what does it have to do with us? It has everything to do with us. Because whether you want to admit it or not, there's a hint of prejudice in all of us. Say, oh, I'm not prejudiced. If you ever prejudge somebody incorrectly, this never would have happened. This scenario never would have happened. Listen to me. If Peter were to prejudge Cornelius, as being a centurion, a Gentile. It never would have happened if Cornelius would have prejudged Peter. Say some fisherman from Galilee, an uneducated Jew, is going to teach me the way? Not on my watch. I'm a Roman centurion. I mean, no arrogance and pride and resistance will hinder you from being effective in the kingdom of God. So I'm done with the message. And I think God wants to deal with a couple of things here, and we can go to prayer. We can let you go home. But I, I just think that, that God may give dreams. He may give visions. 
He may send angelic uh, visits. But this is strategic in the book of Acts. This is the turning point because chapter 11 starts off that the church in Jerusalem had some prejudice issues. What do you mean you're eating with sinners? Where have we heard that before? Jesus heard that. The Pharisees, the religious leaders. I'm just going to tell you, if you've been saved a long time, it's easy for, for Pharisaical pride to get in your spirit. I'm just telling you, it's very easy. It's very easy for you to say, we got it. They don't. And for them to get it, they got to get it our way. And it's a tough culture we're living in today. A lot of people are making a lot of decisions. Many of them in the pulpit are allowing anything to go on. So Pastor Ron's not saying that we should tolerate anything and everything. We're not saying that just uh, free for all. Everybody just go to God any way you want to. Just pray and live like you want. How many know that's not true either? But it doesn't eliminate the fact that we do sometimes stiff arm people, hold people at bay because they may not look like, act like, don't even give them a moment to share the gospel. And I'm telling you, God prepared Peter to go to Cornelius' house. Three times. Why three times? I mean, wouldn't one vision of one sheet coming down out of heaven with all kinds of animals been enough, Jake? Why three times? In fact, I got to ask, why did Jesus have to ask Peter three times if he loved him? Some scholars say maybe it's because he denied the Lord three times. But here's a man, Peter, who, who took a little while to get to where he was going. Could you stand with me? And I want to ask you a question. Everybody, please stand this morning. I'm done. I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody here grateful at the gentle, gracious, merciful, methodical way that God, the Holy Ghost, speaks to you? I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad he's not coming into the service today, kicking and screaming and pulling and shoving. And He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he may be speaking something specific to you. We're going to sing. We're going to pray. Altar is open. We have some prayer partners that are going to come. If you have a need, Kathy's sick today. She won't be here. But Max, if you'll come, Marilyn, some others that might be helping us to pray. If you have a need and you want someone to pray with you, we'll be glad to pray. Be glad to pray. Jake, you and Joanna want to come. You can certainly help us pray. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and I believe he does. I believe we serve a speaking God. And he's so specific. I love about God, the Holy Spirit. He's not generic. He got right to the visit, got right to the point. He told Cornelius this, get some people, go over to Joppa, talk to that guy, get him to come back, tell him, listen to what he says, and do what he does. He goes to Peter. He says, Peter, I want you to know that there's some guys that are coming. They're downstairs. Go downstairs. Listen to what they say. Go with them to Caesarea and tell them what the gospel, and I will do the work. Simple as this. He speaks. You obey. That ought to take care of it, and God will use you as a vessel to do great and mighty things. Altars are open. You come as the Holy Spirit directs you.